You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. This week, we're discussing the original 1980 Friday the 13th, as well as the 2009 reboot. They're coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar! Welcome to the party, pal! Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Man's got to know his limitations. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Let's put a smile on that face. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Victory. This sort of thing has cropped up before, and it has always been due to human error. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me as always, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Hello, folks. Wow. So yes, a little bit more enthusiasm here, Benson. We're talking about Friday the 13th. Okay? Come on. Excitement. I guess up front, Betsy Palmer, Mrs. Voorhees, passed away. I don't know. It was like losing somebody you know, you know? I mean, I've been watching... I don't know. You watch people in movies and stuff your whole life, and then when they die, it's like... Man. Sad thing, it was good seeing her, though, um, always on those behind-the-scenes. Whenever they did one of those Friday documentaries, they'd always interview Betsy Palmer. She was always really nice to the fans, always signed autographs, and that's really cool. Thoughts go out to her family. Yeah. Depressing news. I guess we should go ahead and let's talk about the original first, and then we'll talk about the remake. We're just going to assume that you've seen both these movies. If you're a horror fan and you haven't seen these... You didn't you're earn your medal fan. yet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that you you cannot claim to be a horror fan and not have seen the first four Friday the Thirteenth movies. Let's before we get into this. What's your favorite Friday mm. entire series? Probably the fourth one. The fourth one? Yeah, I would say one through four. Those are the best. Yeah, I sort of think of like that block is like one long continuous story that. <laughs> Well, yeah, two, two, three, and four, they kind of are. Right. They kind of have this, like, the next day, the next day. The next. Yeah, part three actually doesn't take place on Friday the 13th, if you think about it. That would be Saturday the 14th. And then four is a year later? No, four picks up at the end of three. Oh, does it? Yeah, because remember, they haul him off in the morgue. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. He, uh, he kills the, the pervert so that's, that's like watching exercise. Sunday the 15th. Look, they, they don't even get their days right. This is this is how this. Well, series I think goes. they would have lost um, lost some some audience members if they started changing the name of the movie to Saturday the Fourteenth, Sunday the Fifteenth. Wasn't there a Jeff Goldblum spoof like Saturday, Saturday the Fourteenth? Yeah, I as a kid, like I had a friend that lived down the street. Him and I was would always rent you know, the horror movies and stuff. And our friend, I guess, trying to like you know be part of the group, and he was like, "I watched a scary movie last night." I watched Saturday the 14th. Oh, no. And we both kind of just looked at each other and went, do you mean Friday the 13th? He's like, no, it's Saturday the 14th. It has like a vampire in it. We had to break the news that he did not watch a scary movie. Saturday the 14th. Don't get it confused. It's not a horror film. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, one through four, I don't know, they hold like the special place. The, I mean, continuity is a little iffy but 
at the same time, it's, you know, there's a continuous story. The uh, series lost me a little bit at five. I mean, I still think like six and seven are entertaining movies, but it's almost like a different series now. Now you're into Frank and Jason. Zombie Jason, all right? Zombie Jason. Yeah, I, I prefer Zombie Jason. If we're going to okay. name her, what is it, six through eight Jason? I, You know, I have a hard time watching one without immediately watching two, three, and four. I'm talking about continuity earlier. The continuity in the timeline from one to two doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, um, all right, at the end of one, we're shown a possible dream or Jason himself, we don't know, grab her out of the boat. Uh, now I've heard lots yeah. of speculation that she dreamed that Jason grabbed her from the boat. Yeah, that, that could be a very valid interpretation of it. In Friday the 13th, she mentions that she lives in California. We were curious, and if anybody knows the answer to this, please let us know. Did Jason travel to California to kill her at the beginning of Part 2? Or did she take up residence in, right outside of Camp Crystal Lake for some reason? He bought a plane ticket. They were <laughs> like, no, you can't bring that machete on board, sir. He was like, oh, well, I'll take a bus ticket. He brought his mom's head. You gotta bring props with right, you. Right, you gotta get ready. You know. Broke into her house, put it in the... So when she opens the door, there it is. All right, so Jason drowned. Right. Okay, so then that happened, we're told, sometime in the or 50s. Or they thought he drowned. Yeah, so that happened in the 50s. So part two comes along. This, this Mongoloid kid was just hanging out in the woods the entire time in the shack. His mom's out there cutting up people and he's just like hey what's up mom i see you cutting up people hey i'm gonna go go here in my shack and i'm gonna live life i think the suspension of disbelief is that they thought he drowned somehow he got out of the lake he had nowhere to go camp was shut down nobody's coming around so he took up residence in the shack after his mom was killed he found the head he recognized it and went, wait a minute, like, that's my mommy. So he took the head home, and when people showed up, he went to go. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that would be like in the reboot, right? Wreak his revenge, yeah. Yeah, if he was in the reboot, but, like, in the original series, like, he would have been, he's already, he would have been in his 20s. Like, how much time is possibly could have passed between the first Friday the 13th and the second one? Like, maybe a year? Maybe, yeah. I mean... She's still extremely traumatized by the events. That head is severed. The mom's head is. I guess the police were just like, ah, fuck it. We don't need we to don't find need the to head. Keep that. <laughs> fuck evidence. What's that? You know, it's like, yeah, this chick's decapitated. What happened to the head? I, I don't know. You know. Some guy came out of the woods. We can't find it. <laughs> we gave it to that guy that lives in the. He asked for it. <laughs> the guy. The guy who wears the the white hood with the one hole in right. it. Yeah, he took it. You know. Obviously, the series is not really big on logic. No. And it's, it's not known not. for that. There's actually a lot of hatred um, for the slasher genre. Not just the Friday the 13th films. I think it's extended beyond. We were watching some of the... Uh, uh, Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Hate. Ebert. It's And I have to disagree with their, um, their stance of... I, I want to call bullshit on the statement of you know some of these slasher movies like Friday the 13th hate women where halloween doesn't and it's art i mean i to me the the only difference is that friday the 13th although not made as well as halloween you know it went for the gore 
But still, you had, you know, PJ Souls had sex. She was killed by Michael Myers. You brought up the POV shot in the beginning of Halloween. Yeah, he had the POV shot. They were complaining that in traditional horror films, we watch the movie from the point of view of the victim. And in Friday the 13th, you have to see all the killings from the point of view of the killer. And that's sick. Halloween, opening shots from the point of view of the killer. There's also that uh, scene in Psycho where, uh, well, yeah, there's the shower scene, but there's also the scene where Norman Bates is yeah. maybe masturbating to her in the shower. So Yeah, I was, I, I was psycho editing your masturbation talk. Oh. And it's like you said, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night came out, mothers got pissed off, and Siskel and Ebert felt like they needed to start a crusade to stop the slasher film. Yeah, yeah, in the 80s, Silent Night, Deadly Night kind of kind of fucked up everybody's shit. You know, honestly, I'm going to make a an assumption, and we know that assumptions usually just make an ass out of yourself, but they probably didn't like the fact that slasher movies were a lot of the same premise. Girl in trouble with masked killer chasing her. I, I mean, that, that comment that slasher movies hate women, the Friday the 13th movies hate women, I just thought that was ridiculous. Like, they, Jason kills as many men as he does women. Kevin Bacon gets an arrow through his throat. Mrs. Voorhees did not discriminate. I don't I don't think the slasher genre is any more misogynistic than any other genre. You have action films. It's usually a helpless damsel in distress, right? And the big hunky guy has to come in and save her. That's the tried formula. We've seen it a million times. I mean, I've seen more misogynistic stuff in... <laughs> sexual comedies but i've never seen a critic get on tv and call out action films no but you're gonna you're gonna pick on you're gonna pick on the slasher genre just because i guess guys with no money yeah i guess they they pissed you off that week you know do you remember the first time you ever watched friday the 13th the original friday the 13th yeah it was like uh halloween of uh either 89 or 90 it was on HBO, part one and part two, where, and my mom, we watched it after doing some awesome trick-or-treating. <laughs> some epic trick-or-treating that year. Yeah, we watched those films. It was it was great. Now, had you had any, like, prior knowledge to, like, Jason or... Oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. Like, at that point, like, the Friday 13th game had already come out. I'd played that. I'd never seen any of the movies, and, of course, I'd seen the ads. So... Takes. Were you confused? Because I know I was when I watched Friday the 13th for the first time. I was totally shocked that it was his mom was the killer. Like I, I just thought I had the franchise mixed up. Oh, okay. You know, it's just like, that's got to be something else. And But then when I saw the the second one, that's when it was it finally clicked with me. Like, oh, wait, they are calling this dude Jason. And I was like, why does he not have a hockey mask, though? It can't be the same guy. <laughs> Where's his hockey? He needs his hockey mask. That had to be just one of the most random strokes of genius in film history, just to pick that hockey mask. That nobody can agree on whose idea that was. Well, like, there's of course, because everybody's going to want to take people. credit for that. Yes, it's insane. There is an awesome book uh, called Crystal Lake Memories, The Complete History of Friday the 13th. Highly recommend it if you're a Friday fan. It's got a bunch of great information, great pictures, awesome read. Um, and you know what? They actually made a documentary of it, too. It's pretty funny where they, 
they cut together like all the people with their different versions of the oh this is how I made it came up with the mask see and then this other guy comes up and he's like well see the mask is because I we watched hockey games uh, God who who came up with the hockey mask I don't really know my recollection was that you know multiple kinds of masks were brought around and so on and so forth and then somebody brought the hockey mask said hockey mask that's great I think it was Frank about the mask I'm sure it was Steven I mean he was really thoughtful and, and really knew that genre. The one thing that everybody likes to take credit for is who put the hockey mask on Jason. And I must admit, in modesty, that I put the hockey mask on Jason. Peter Schindler, uh, Marty Becker, and Marty Sadoff were all hockey fans. And it was their idea to come up with uh, a hockey mask to cover the face up. Success has a lot of fathers. and. Everybody's willing to take a little bit of credit for it, I think, and and maybe that's just the best. Yeah, but that is like the most lucky little. That's iconic. Right. That's probably like, that's probably one of the most iconic images of all horror. I think it surpassed like what what everyone used to think of the Universal monsters. I think that image is kind of gone now, and it's hockey mask with a little red triangle on it is Jason. Yeah, he's the horror equivalent of Godzilla. But I remember the first time I saw Friday the 13th, my dad and I went to the little Arlington video store and we rented parts one, two, and three. And we stayed up real late. And after the first one, I was really confused. I was like, because I'd always looked at the boxes and I was kind of waiting on, you know, the hockey mask. Part one and two, like, part one was his mom. And I'm like, okay, where, where's the dude with the hockey mask? Yeah. It actually took until like high school for me to kind of earn some love for part one because I was so disappointed that there wasn't the dude with the hockey mask. Really? I always liked always liked part one. Uh, don't get me wrong. I loved it while I was watching it, but then I was so like just flabbergasted that the guy with the hockey mask wasn't in it. Another little continuity thing is that, you know, a lot of people have played Jason over the years. Oh, yeah. So Jason's uh, body movements and build has changed quite a bit. I know you're a big Kane Hodder Jason fan. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, my favorite Jasons are uh, Kane Hodder, Ted White, and Richard Booker. And Kane Hodder was in uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then Ted White's from 4, and Richard Booker's from uh, part 3. He just passed. He passed away not too long ago. Maybe about a year or so now. Well, four but, has that has that great. You know, four was you know they're the one where they were gonna they were gonna kill him off the final the final chapter, chapter. and he falls with the the machete on his head and it's <sighs> like as he's like his weight just pushes it and it slides up his his face. And his eyebrow was, still moves, which was one of the like best gore effects. I'd ever seen it at the time. Like, that was just, like, applause-worthy. Just Friday the 13th, Part 1. Um, and, and one thing I always try to do is put myself into the, like, the mindset of the audience at that time. I can imagine that being a pretty, like, chilling little movie. Sort of the roller coaster ending where all the bodies are being placed so that she's gonna run into them. And then when, uh... God rest her soul, Betsy Palmer comes on and she starts talking to herself. Kill him, mommy. Kill her. Kill her, mommy. Kill her. Don't 
Don't let her get away, Mommy. Don't let her live. I won't, Jason. I won't. I know a lot of people complain about Betsy Palmer coming out at the end. The whole whodunit aspect of the movie. The whole, like, oh, who could the killer be? Everybody always complains. Oh, you're cheating. You're cheating. That character just came into the movie just right now. We had no clues that it could possibly be her. I never even thought about it like that. Because I remember when I watched it the first time, I always thought it was Steve, the guy that owns the, the camp. The because, guy. Yeah, because they have, like, he had boots, you know. I think they show him having boots in one scene, but he, most importantly, he drives, like, very similar vehicles. They have that same kind of, like, Jeep Wrangler. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I think they're, like, maybe different colors or something, but, you know, I was always like, oh, that's got to be him. And then, but he dies. I guess going into it, have you know, looking at the... The covers. I was. I totally was expecting it to be Jason. I could. I could see that being a pretty creepy scene, especially with you know, her talking. And now you know it's a little oh. dated. Now you look back, the like the the fights are a little. Well, come on, just hit her a little harder than that, and you might could like get out the window. I like a lot of how this movie is shot. Like it's low budget. Like the cinematography is not great in Friday the Thirteenth. It's not. I don't really think it's. It's that good at all. But what. They work with what they have in this movie, and I love that scene where she, Mrs. Voorhees, comes into the the cabin. She starts tearing shit up, but you can still sl- see her. Yeah, it's like a crack in the pantry door. I mean, she comes in and busts through the door, kind of like you know, uh, Jack Nicholson did way better that same year in The Shining. Oh, here's a here's a shot in the first one that uh, love your opinion on the snake. When they kill the snake with the machete. It was a real snake. Yeah. Killed a snake. Right yeah. there on camera. So animals actually were harmed in the making of Freddy the 13th. Uh, seriously, like, chopped in half harmed. It, no, it was more than halves. It was at least in threes or fours. I just remember seeing that and being like, because you don't usually see animals get really killed in a movie. I just thought it was awesome makeup. Oh, you did? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it was real until we watched that documentary. The oh. um, well, I guess I've Crystal seen Lake enough, Memories. enough snakes killed that I was like, "Holy shit, that's a real snake being killed!" Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know it until they they had that interview pop up, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's crazy!" You could never get away with that nowadays. No, you'd be skinned alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kevin Bacon is in fucking Friday the Thirteenth. Not if you ask him. Why does he not talk about this movie? What is... I, I, I have no idea. I, I've wondered the same thing. Like, uh, like Johnny Depp will kind of skirt questions about Nightmare on Elm Street. No, he's really good about Nightmare. He was even in uh, Freddy's Dead. He I came did, back and did a... When uh, I saw an interview with him, I think it was inside the actor's studio, he just sort of laughed the question off, but didn't really get into any detail with it. Oh, always, always respected... Johnny Depp for his love for Nightmare. You know, he always... He said it all... You know, something like it'll hold a special place. It was, you know, his start. We all have to start somewhere or something like that. Yeah, I mean, hey, um, that's a good, way, good place to start. But, you know, you're right. Kevin Bacon doesn't mention it at all. He didn't want to talk about it. I don't know. Have you ever heard anyone ask him about it? Uh, You know, no, I haven't never seen, like, an interview or anything like that. So you don't know if that he that he just avoids it 
Um, I would say he avoids it. He's never seen him asked if, about it. If you don't have an interview on Friday the 13th, like, I'm sure somebody asked, like, hey, Kevin Bacon. Oh, I'm you sure. You got they, your start in this really shitty movie. Uh, they did a good job of, like, rigging those special effects. I think it is hilarious, like, how often people get hit with, like, knives or stabbed or hatchets and, and they don't bring their arms up to block their face at all. Oh, he, he got it through the throat, though. Yeah, Kevin Bacon got it through. He didn't see that shit coming at all. Yeah. He was in that post-cortis bliss, glowful laying upon the hammock. But you're right about, like, his girlfriend now. Yeah. She gets an axe in the head, and, and she just takes she, that shit. She just looks at it, screams, hands in pocket. I guess, like, she was just like, you know, I don't want an axe in my head and my fingers chopped off. And there's another girl, the, the one that the hitchhiker, she picks up on the road and kills in the woods. Oh yeah, where she slashes she her throat, cuts her throat, and she doesn't reach up to like block it or anything. My hands get in the way of the makeup, dude. Well, of you, course that's the reason they're doing it, but you can't put makeup on the neck and the hands. But Tom Savini's uh, makeup is is really good in this. Oh, and we we also have to mention. Friday the 13th, part one and two, did give us one of my favorite Prophet of Dooms. The biggest naysayer. The biggest, greatest, crazy, drunken old man. Crazy Ralph. Ralph, you're doomed. You're doomed. I never really understood where Ralph was coming from. I don't know, man, but you're cursed. Goody camp blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph, get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. Did he know Mrs. Voorhees? Had she told him, when the kids get up there, I'm gonna fucking kill them? Well, dude, you saw all that bad shit that happened, dude. Some kid drowned, some kids got stabbed, bad water, fires. All this happened at the camp when they tried to open it before. And he always randomly, like, pops out of something and then grabs a bike and rides off. Oh, dude, I love his little blue bike. He's just like... As if nobody noticed the bike was laying there when they all walked. Messenger of God, you're doomed if you stay here. This place is cursed. Cursed. You're doomed. (laughs) You're doomed. You're all doomed. Okay, refresh our memory. How does Ralph bite it? He bites it in part two. He gets the uh, barbed wire strangled around a tree. Yeah. That's how he dies. I really love these movies. Mick, these movies are so good. They got so many great, like, all right, look. Okay, we are not talking about high art here. Yes, there is some trash involved. I, You know what? I just have fun with these films. I seriously doubt a single director of Friday the 13th ever thought hope we win the oscar for this we do need to mention too uh the score harry manfredini has to be one of the most iconic horror sounds yeah right next to i put up there with jaws halloween you know i would say the is a little bit more known than the halloween Really? I, I don't know, man. So. They play that a lot at uh, play that at like ha- Halloween part. It's been remixed and resampled so many times. And I just remember, like, at, even like in high school and elementary school, 
kids that had no idea what they were even doing would go. <laughs> what did he record her saying? It's uh, he's using the syllables of of kill and mom, so it's oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, I don't know, he had some kind of sampler or something, and he played that back. Yeah, not an audio guy. But even besides that, I thought the score for Friday the 13th is almost like you can't ask for a better classic horror score. I guess the other thing we should talk about, um, this film is obviously not, we talked about it not being really high art or anything like that, but it did kind of maybe, like, blatantly steal from Halloween and Carrie. In a couple of moments. But you know what? Uh, it did it well enough. And I'm okay with it. I don't hate the film for that at all. Yeah, the original Friday the 13th, I don't think it was trying to be anything but a fun, scary movie. I don't really get that they were trying to do anything original with it. Because they were blatantly ripping people off left and right. Oh, yeah. Um, Victor Miller is like, quoted as saying that Sean, Sean Cunningham told him, like, uh, yeah... They did that rip off Halloween, of, or they did that. What was it? They're talking about the ending shot with Jason coming up out of the water, and they did that in Carrie. Let's do that in our movie. Yeah, Speedy said he's like, yeah, I just saw Carrie. Thought that was pretty good. Let's. And hey. the writer, the writer was like, I, that is not in my script. <laughs> it's one of those uh, little engine that could success stories that I you I don't know why, but it's just when you watch it, especially if you watch. The original Friday the 13th, along with... Just just pick a handful of other slashers from around that time. Just, you know, grab a handful. There is something kind of special about it. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And it's just, it's just got that... Maybe just a little bit more care from the crew. Or the actors. Or they were just having a little bit more fun... It's that infectious yeah. love and, and craftsmanship and just, well, not really craftsmanship. It's just that they were having a good time and it comes through in the film. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, man. Now, you made Live Animals. That has some slasher moments in it. it you know, obviously, I would say, like, there's a, that beginning scene when they're snatching the people. Oh, yeah. I would say that's 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 heavily slasher-inspired. Oh, totally, yeah. Um. You obviously love Friday the Thirteenth. Right. How much did that? How did much did that movie inspire you when you were doing that scene? Uh, actually, a lot. We um, Pat and I talked about Jason's movements and how to incorporate some of that kind of mechanical. You know, Jason's job is to go in. You know, he's going to go kill these people, and Pat's job was to go kidnap them. But yeah, we definitely wanted to kind of have that misguide and there's a shot where you know pat's walking toward the house and he stops and totally does a jason look to the right uh to reveal his mask now pat's mask was a uh, a piece of skin over the side of his face because in the movie he's got a a birthmark that he covers up with a piece of someone else's face uh, kind of the idea that pat came up with and he was you know we talked about before shooting was and this was his idea. I just I told him that he should, you know, kind of look at Jason. And he thought of that. He took it to the level that if Edgar was real, you know, he was going to go in and do this, that he would put on a persona of, like, the slasher killer to help scare the people a little bit more. 
until, you know, stuff starts going wrong, and he has to, you know, like, move into action, but yeah, if you watch everything before that, it is very deliberate, kind of Jason Michael Myers movements. I have to go back and rewatch uh, Live Animals, it has been a while since I've seen that. Yeah, he, he, he kind of mimics those movements up until Aaron's looking out the, uh, the double glass window, and Nick turns on the porch light, and when he does, he sees Pat come up behind with the rope, or the zip tie. The zip tie goes around her neck, and he yanks her back. And that was like a total... That was the last, like, we're mocking Jason in that moment. Alright, yeah. Let's see. I need to rewatch Live Animals again. You can get the disc on Netflix. Alright, yeah. It streamed for two or three years, and they finally pulled it off. Alright, alright. You stream it on uh, iTunes, though. Alright, okay, yeah. Check it out on iTunes. There's a the shot when uh, Adrian King, Alice... She plays Alice in the in the film. She goes, she's the final girl. She swings and the machete goes off right before the the decapitation of Mrs. Voorhees happens. They're struggling with like a broken oar. The score right there is great. Yeah. But th- there's this really cool shot where she takes the oar and she comes down and the camera gets really low mm-hmm. and then it can'ts when she lands the oar in. And right. I stole that shot. I love that shot, man. That is one of those, you know, for the the amount of money that these guys had, just you know, they thought of some decent things. I know they were only out to pretty much make a buck here. And they're not they're not afraid to say that. No, they've admitted to this. This is no, yeah. we're not saying like new information here or anything like that. Before the movie was even written, they didn't even know what it was going to be about. They just knew the title, Friday the Thirteenth. They put the ad in Variety. Oh, yes, the very famous The most ad. terrifying motion picture ever or yes. something like that. And it got a lot of... Poli- it, I think that's how Paramount picked it up, right? Uh, or was it Paramount maybe it got a first look? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Paramount got involved until after the movie was done. Well, um, I know they said that they got a lot of calls. Yeah, and they ended up going with their old investors that had... Helped him out with, uh, I think, Last House on the Left and some of uh, Cunningham's earlier films. And, and what was funny was that he said that he post he placed the ad in Variety with the title Friday the 13th. So he placed the ad to see if anybody was going to threaten to sue him for the title. And when nobody did, they wrote a movie and moved on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's one way of doing it. And that was completely following up on the success of Halloween. Well... He, they did Halloween and it works. What about Friday the Thirteenth? That's a scary holiday. Speaking of Halloween and getting that into the whole genre mix, like I think Halloween was the one that definitely created the mold. Yeah, but Friday the Thirteenth is the one that stamped it into solid gold. Like I would say, I think more more movies end up taking taking mo- most of their homage and stealing more from the Friday the Thirteenth than they do from Halloween. I would say so, yeah. Well, Friday the 13th also was the one that said... Because Halloween's pretty serious. Like, that's oh, not... Oh, yeah. They're not having fun with the kills. It's it's a pretty creepy movie. Yeah. Um, Friday the 13th yeah. was the one that went, you know what, you can have fun with this. You can go over the top and, and it be entertaining, and that's okay. I mean, yeah. even in the marketing, the body count continues. One, two. <laughs> they just basically tell you that 13 people get killed in this movie. Um, Which I don't think is true. I think only 10 people die in the 
first Friday thirteenth. But yeah. Marketing people, they lie. But at the same time, like for me, the three biggies you have like Halloween. That's the one that said this is how this kind of movie should be. And then Friday the thirteenth, like you said, it it stamped it and said the gold standard at this point. And then you had Freddy come along. And he kind of changed it. And then it took that standard and just made it something new. It mixed both the serious look from Halloween, the serious take from Halloween, and then the fun take from Friday the 13th, made it supernatural, broke all the rules. So it's kind of like in, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Dance Macabre by Stephen King, but... Um, no, you know, you know, I haven't read that. Well, there's a, he he makes a point that Night of the Living Dead is an example, and then later Blair Witch. But um, there's huh. always genius, genius copied, and then genius perfected. I think the reason those are the three biggies is that yeah, it kind of fits that mold. Friday Halloween was genius, and then Halloween Friday the Thirteenth was copying the genius, and then. Later on, breaking all the rules, you had Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to disagree with that. I think it's Halloween, Friday the 13th. I think the one that perfected it was Scream. I think it took it to that next level. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street really didn't... Like, it started a revival, but we didn't get, like, supernatural slashers. We got a couple. I know they did try to do, like, Mary Lou. What I'm saying is that the reason those are the three heavies is because of that kind of pattern in entertainment. Well, I think Stephen King is in a fourth category. To me, Scream is... It follows the slasher rules, but it also is like one of the first ones that bring up slasher movies. It's like... It's an homage spoof mixed together with a serious movie. Love that movie so much! And then you want to take, you know, the slasher idea to new, new places. What about Behind the Mask? Because I didn't, I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of like, yes, the movie, but the movie is not at the level of Scream. Well, and no, it's not as good as Scream, but the, the idea is... The audience didn't... The, well, I didn't have the money either. Even if that movie did get a theatrical release, it wouldn't have done what's, you know what I mean? Like, best case scenario, I mean like... Well, nobody knew Scream was going to do that. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying, I'm not talking about financial success, I'm talking about... Someone taking the idea of a slasher movie into a new direction. I thought that was a genius little idea to place the movie inside of a world where. No, I, I see what you're saying. No, I. It, it's following. I enjoy that movie. That movie would not. Behind the Mask would not have happened without Scream. See, Behind the Mask is way too comedy for me to even really consider it a serious slasher at all whatsoever. Like, it doesn't. But it doesn't was, even try. But that's the point. Is Scream know. was the one that made it okay to laugh at slasher movies. So without Scream, you don't get Behind the Mask. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't know. Behind the Mask is it's a well loved film. It is well loved. I mean, it's a good movie. I almost want to say though, if you're going to take a spiritual successor to Scream, it should almost be Hatchet. They all are. I mean, you know, there, there's... Oh, okay. Friday the 13th is not the only one that came after Halloween. There but was, it was that next It was that next step one. It was, yes. Yeah. It was the, like, there was Halloween, and then there was a lot of copying genius, but then there was the one 
that took copying genius to a new level. See, I thought I, you were going like decade by decade here with hitting decade. What I don't know why I said it like that. No, it's the reason I pointed out at the <laughs> beginning of the statement that he uses not he used Night of the Living Dead as an example. Oh yeah, well I thought you were using that in terms of like that's and Blair Witch because the point he was making is that Blair Witch was a genius. That was a genius little film for a little bit of money, and it works really well. Oh, see, that's what I thought you were saying. Like in terms of like that, so you get like indie horror. So here goes your three indie horrors. You got zombie horror. Here go your three zombie horror movies. I thought that's, and then you were classifying slashers into like the three ones that have hit notes along the way. Never mind. This the we, we got way off topic into some tangent. What are we even talking about here? I'm going to play this back tomorrow and be like, God damn, what the fuck were we talking about? We're idiots. I'm oh, going to cut just, all this shit you out. You just got defensive of Scream. That's all it is. <sighs> I do get defensive of Scream. That's a good, good, good movie. Wait, wait, really wait like you that. can't say that Friday the 13th and Freddy and Halloween are the three biggies? Well, you know what? I enjoy Scream more than I enjoy Nightmare on Elm Street. But I think more people would say that I know Freddie is a bigger horror icon than. Well, yeah, he is. A, I'm not saying that. I just enjoy Scream more than I enjoy Nightmare on Elm Street, which is kind of weird because would we have Scream if Nightmare on Elm Street didn't exist? <gasps> Chicken before the egg. I don't know. Hmm? No, we wouldn't. Have. Yeah, we probably wouldn't. And there's that great Nightmare on Elm Street reference. But I, I like it too in the script. Like I was watching behind the scenes, Wes Craven does a a call out where he's like, "Well, yeah, I." I don't want to say in the script that like all the Nightmare and uh, Elm Street movies were shit except for the first one because I made the first one. And then Kevin Williamson was like, uh, hey, uh, Craven, buddy, you did the last one. So they all suck but the first one. So that's what the script says. So it's like, wow, wow. Not only did you write in the script that his movie sucked, you told him on the phone that his movie sucked. <laughs> I like the last one. I did too, man. I do too. A lot of a lot of people don't though. I don't understand the uh the hatred. What's of that. the hatred of it? Like horror, you know, horror fanatics, we have a we have a hard time letting go of our continuity in our series. Like we were watching uh one documentary where sometimes like after part 8 in the Friday series, people have a hard time of letting that go and Right. By calling out that the series of movies that you've enjoyed for so long is all bullshit, made-up movies, yeah. and now we're bringing Freddy out for real life is offensive? Yeah, some people got got really mad. It's like, oh, well, you actually made our fictitious character fictitious in a movie. That's not scary. I, mean, I thought that was kind of genius. I did, too. I really like the makeup redesign. A lot of people hate it. I thought it was cool. Whatever. We're not here to talk about Freddy Krueger, because we have to save that for another time. Although, I still think the best Freddy ever looked was part one. Keep him in the... I just love how he was in the shadows. Well, wait a minute. When you say favorite Freddy, are you talking about like how he looks in the movies? Or are you talking about Freddy in his different costumes and outfits with accessories? I give... The only thing I liked better other than part one. I, everything goes to part one, except I liked the jacket from New Nightmare. In part three, when he's got the syringe fingers... And the heroin junkies like, ah, oh, and she looks down. She's got the, the, the track marks in her arms or like little mouths, and they're like, nom, 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 you know, like. Yeah, but that's not part of his suit. I mean, that's well, it's not. Like, I, okay, no, it's not. But like, it's you know, it's an outfit accessory change. Well, all right. While we're Always talking about this, favorite look of Jason. Oh, hands down. Oh wait, okay. Can we split them up between zombie Jason and redneck Jason or redneck wood killing? 
Mongol Jason. Mongoloid. Mongoloid yeah. Jason. Mongol Jason. That's uh, <laughs> I just offended a whole bunch of people in oh, fucking Asia right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can split it up. Uh, all right, let me see. Um, part four, Zombie Jason, part seven. Part seven because you can I, see his spine. Before I answer my, my favorite redneck Jason, part seven always came across to me like somebody went, well, we can't do Freddy versus Jason. Let's just do Jason versus Carrie. They were originally going to do Freddy versus Jason. And for whatever reason, they couldn't come to an agreement. Sean Cunningham came out and said it was some lawyer dispute. Rights fell through. They couldn't do it. I guess the next guy on the block was like, hey, we could do something like Carrie. That'd be cool, right? I thought it was a cool idea. It It is. I mean, it's neat. It's not, you know, fulfilled to the best of its potential, but... It's a product I, of its time. I guess have we talked about the MPAA cuts. No, we haven't. Uh, okay, so the MPAA cut a crap lo- the Motion Picture Association of America, who uh, gives ratings to films. These are the people that are guarding your little eyes to make sure you don't see anything that we do that they think you might not be able to handle. That's right, because you're not a grown-ass person. In order to get an R rating, and accept it in a... You know, you have to you have to get an R rating because if you get X, a lot of theaters won't carry your film. It's just business career suicide. You don't do it. Don't make any money. So they got to get an R rating. Well, part seven got cut like the worst. It so much of the gore in that film is off screen. Really, I haven't heard about all this. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of it's cut out. If you go back and you watch it, like a lot of people get axed off the off screen. Does the footage exist anywhere? I don't know. I can't remember. I know. I know. I know a lot of the cut footage for Part Six exists, and they added the stuff that they cut out of the first one. You actually, if you buy the Blu-ray of Friday the Thirteenth right now, you're buying the uncut version. It'll actually say it says it on the menu, so you get like an extra couple of seconds of Kevin Bacon getting a arrow through the throat. And that's when we watched. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure about Part Two and Three, but Four had some things cut out of it. You can see on the behind the scenes on that as well. Yeah, I remember they really chopped up the sliding down the machete at the end. Yeah, yeah, they got cut up. A lot of things in four got butchered. Four and seven probably had the had the worst of it. But I mean, I think seven had the awesome makeup. The thing I liked the most about it was that it took like all the continuity. Like he had damage in his like uh, hockey mask from when somebody like you know uh, right. hit him with an axe. Um, it, it was just nice to see all that all that carry over that history. Yeah, you know, and in part six when he gets buried and he gets buried with a boulder out in out in the middle of Crystal Lake, and when he comes up, he's still got the chain around his neck the entire film in part seven. What's your favorites? Uh, Zombie Jason. I'd go with seven, just because I was gonna mention that I always loved the chain because six always kind of threw me off. You know, I mean that's. You're going from there's this redneck killer dude that wears a hockey mask to suddenly we're off in left field with lightning striking a corpse and the corpse that was just about basically bones and now it's climbing up out of the ground and maggots are falling off of it and it's killing folks and no explanation about what's how he's coming back to life. Now that you're talking about Six, like... I'm sitting over here thinking, I don't know if I really like Zombie Jason outside of Part 7. 
I didn't really care for his look in six all that much. Like in part eight, that looks his the makeup just looks cheap in that. Jason goes to hell. I don't really like the bubbly skin look that they had going on with his dome. Like I don't know. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I didn't get that either. I think it was like his his head was supposed to be swelling and the mask is, you know, digging into the flesh. Well, he did get toxic waste thrown at him at the end of part eight. So who knows? Maybe. Uh, and then. I guess his look in Jason X was okay. I wasn't too thrilled about that. I was, I'm not a big fan of Cyborg <laughs> Robo Jason either. If you like I that didn't kind of hate thing. the look of Jason in Freddy vs. Jason. I just didn't like the way he moved in that one. Well, it's because you were wanting Kane Hodder. Well, y- yeah. As far as Redneck Jason goes, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the way he looks in the reboot. I didn't, I didn't actually think of that, but, uh,. Even throwing that in for consideration, but yeah, you know what? You're right. He does look pretty badass in the reboot. I like I like a lot of the you know if you're you're going back to redneck Jason, I like a lot of the the costume choices and that he runs and I was always wondered like if they were going to take the the reboot and, and eventually get back to zombie Jason, but oh, he's like zombie Jason at the end of the movie, right? He dies, like that would he gets his like neck broken and who knows what else. Yeah, but else. I meant like a whole movie with zombie Jason. Oh, a whole movie with zombie Jason? Oh. Alright, the reboot's kind of weird. It is. Because you have to call it a reboot because there's no way you can call it a remake. Because it's not a remake of one film, it's kind of a remake of the first four. Yeah, I remember when it came out, they were talking about it's a remake of like the first three. And they still plot elements from four too because right. in four, the guy's looking for his sister and that's like it's a plot element in the, this reboot that goes absolutely nowhere. The guy's looking for his sister. His sister looks like Jason's mom. What happens with that? Nothing. That's one thing I didn't care much for. But anyway, I'm but as far as reboots go, I thought that was a pretty solid reboot. It is. It, you know what? It gave me what I wanted in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I like the changes that they made. I like that Jason, you know, runs. Seems a little bit more vicious and crazy. Um, I love the idea of those tunnels that he had dug. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it, reboot of Friday the 13th starts with uh, the end of what would be the original Friday the 13th, the killing of Mrs. Voorhees. Like in the first two minutes. Yeah, and then you see little mongoloid Jason come out of the woods and he's just witnessed his mom get killed. And fuck him because if he'd shown up five minutes earlier... His mom would have felt really bad for killing all those people. <laughs> so, and then that movie cuts, you know, probably 10, 15 years into the future, and some people show up, and Jason is still living out. And he starts off, he's got the the sack mask. And then about halfway through the movie, he gets his hockey mask. Yep. And that looks pretty cool. He kills a redneck that's, like, getting ready to get it on with a mannequin. Yeah. Which is kind of, it It was disturbingly hilarious. You ever notice those Michael Bay Platinum Dune movies do end up with some weird sexual stuff going on? Yeah, dude. And why is everybody fucking, like, trying to, like, deal pot in these fucking films? Like, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the guys are trying to get this big thing of weed across so they can make a whole bunch of money. This one just starts off with these guys, and they're like, hey... I don't know how we got coordinates, but we got coordinates for weed on a GPS system, and we're going to go make a shit ton of money. Like, that's their idea. 
Although that kill of when Jason grabs that tent and just starts beating her against the... No, he puts her over the fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he puts her over the fire and he roasts her. That's what he does. That's good. Because it's followed up with the boyfriend coming right after her. And he gets his fucking leg stuck in a bear trap. Which a lot of people bitched about because they're like, well, Jason doesn't do things like... Well, this Jason does do things like that. This guy hunts... He is like obviously lived off the lands. Yeah, that's He's, what I liked about it. Yeah, it, it answered a lot of stuff that like just watching part two, you were going, "Well, how did he survive? What's the word? What is you know?" You have to throw all that suspension of disbelief out the window, and this kind of answers it. Like he's got this underground system where he can pretty much just pop up anywhere. Um, he's got these traps all set out. He's a he's an insane dude living out in the woods. He's an insane mongoloid living out in the woods. You're just like, I just wanted to say that so I can get the mongoloid counter up. Yeah, we we got to get the mongoloid counter up. Do you want to tell the mongoloid story or should I? Oh, uh, no. You go right ahead, sir. Go right, right ahead. Well, correct me if I get it wrong, but oh, okay. we were watching the, uh, I think it was the, what's it called? The slasher documentary. Um, Going to Pieces. Going to Pieces. And Betsy Palmer was talking about her role in Friday the 13th. And she showed a picture of Jason, the kid Jason. And she's like, what is what is that? Yeah, Tom Savini's showing her that. And Tom Savini says, that's your, that's your kid. And she's like, well, but what's wrong with his head? And he's like, well, don't you know your kid's a mongoloid? <laughs> what is a mongoloid? <laughs> a mongoloid? <laughs> uh, and just as, you know, as, as long as... I've watched Friday the 13th movies. I'd never thought about Jason's a mongoloid. Yeah, yeah. But let me tell you what. He can kill some folk real good. It seems like uh, Freddy versus Jason is the only time they really play up the sympathy for Jason. Oh, yeah. When they're showing him get picked on and everybody's laughing at him. Yeah, I think he's a mongoloid. I really, I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. The chick was hot. But it uh, doesn't have a lot of rewatchability, Freddy vs. Jason. No. I remember before it came out, I was pretty honest with people that really, like, they could have Vince McMahon walk out and go, ladies and gentlemen, here's your main event. Freddy Krueger versus Jason Voorhees. Ring a bell, start some fighting. Um, and, you know, and all in all, I, I think they crafted an, a decent enough story. Although, you know, Freddy only kills one person in the entire movie. Well, I mean, he gets, like, so much screen time. He gets he gets close. He scares a couple of people, but it's so retarded that Freddy gets mad that Jason's killing his victims. And I actually did think that was pretty cute. It was cute. Yeah, it was so retarded. It's retardedly yeah. cute. It was it was kind of funny. I was just like, ah, yeah, you know, I can actually see that. All right, okay, good. Yeah, that, clever. I've read some of the earlier draft scripts. Yes, it was. It could have been a lot worse. Oh, I've never read any of the. Oh, yeah, you should look some of those up. Are they terrible? I know they were talking... Weren't they at one point talking about, like, adding, like, Ash and... Yeah. Pinhead and Chucky Well, and even in the original else. ending, if I'm not mistaken, the, so the original ending to the script they shot, um, they go into the lake, and the lake starts boiling, and Pinhead rises up out of the lake with both of them, and they all go into the box. You know what sucks, dude? You tell me that idea, and, and 
everybody in their right mind would immediately be like, that is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. But like, there's a part of me that's like, I would have loved to seen that. Yeah, I totally would watch that. <laughs> I, that's, I feel bad that I have to admit that, but, um, yeah, well, you know, you kind of, kind of, I'd kind of watch that. Just, you're trying to, you're trying to figure out who to, because these are two classic iconic characters and they both got very serious fan bases. So yeah. you've got to pick a winner. Who are you going to let win it? And, you know, the logical conclusion is to have a third party come in and just end it so there is no winner. And it's sort of like the, the slasher father figure showing up. Boys. I always get really excited when they do crap. Like, I, man, dude, I, I remember getting really excited even at, even at the end of uh, Jason Goes to Hell when Freddy's glove came up. Oh, yeah. That's such a stupid fucking scene, but man, when I saw that one, I was like, and I yeah, hated I that movie. Yeah, that's that's not a very good film. No, it is funny though. It's like funny bad. Some of the dialogue in that movie, Wait. it's so deliciously bad. I'm really glad they made the remake because it sort of redeemed the franchise for me. Yeah. Now, what's the word on the new one? Is it a remake? Is it a sequel to the other remake reboot? We don't know, man. Uh, the last we heard was that it was going to be a found footage film. And, of course, that came out, and every Friday fan apparently lost their fucking mind, <laughs> went crazy. And I guess the guy, the guys at Platinum Dune were just like, all right, fuck this shit, and they scrapped that. They have come out and officially said that they're not doing the found footage thing. Yeah, I heard. First, I heard Jason in the snow. Which, I love that idea. That sounds awesome. Um... But then people were complaining that's not Friday the 13th. God damn it, you gotta have the exact fucking season? Come on, we can change something up here. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Motherfucker went to space, he it's, can fucking walk like in snow. Hibernates. <laughs> this is um, ridiculous. I remember, I was a little against the found footage. Although I wasn't as against it as most people was. I was, I was against it, but... It kind of sucks that uh, that filmmaker's not gonna be able to make his movie now. Yeah, I'm, I'm because some people online said that. Like that's that's I think a little they, disappointing. You know, I mean, if they thought that was the best way to go with it and the best script, I still think they should have done it. Because you know, often people online are bitching about, "Oh, that's terrible! I hate this idea! Don't do this!" or "I'll boycott!" And then it turns out to be one of the best decisions you've seen. Like Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah, can you imagine if we listened to the fucking internet nerds back then? Oh my gosh. Would have missed out on an iconic performance. And I mean, you know, I mean, the guys making the movie are professional filmmakers for a reason. Not, I'm not saying all of them are good, and I'm not saying all of them are great, but they at least are professional filmmakers. So I had a weird reason to be against the um, found footage is that I have a hard time seeing a found footage film have that kind of fun Jason feel to it. I don't know. I could, I could see that. I could see cool. it. Yeah, I could see it working out. And Jason in the Snow sounds fun as shit to me. Dude, that sounds so great. It's just like, man, that idea is so simple. You mean we haven't done that? Right. Like, guys, seriously, we made 12 films here, and we haven't put the fucker in a different season other than <laughs> summer? The Hellraiser ending would have been... I don't know. I would have totally... Like, to me, that movie was nothing but a long wrestling match. Like, that's WWE all the way. And having the third-party interference by Pinhead would have been classically awesome. I would have probably clapped. 
And then, like, Ash would have come out from Evil Dead and, like, chopped their heads off with chainsaws. Now, there was a serious, serious look at having Ash versus Freddy and Jason. Kind of off topic, kind of on topic. Did you see the the new trailer for the uh, Scream TV show? They revealed the new mask. I saw the one I sent you, but it you, you can barely see it. It's like yeah, I went a on flash. Online. You can get online. You can actually see still pictures of the mask. Like clear? Yeah. Woo, buddy, it looks weird. It does not look like the ghost face. No, I heard they made it more fleshy. Okay, I'm going to go on the record. It looks... Like an old man ate something really sour. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna leave that right there with you. That's what the that's what the new mask looks like. It's kind of sad. Oh wow! Do you find it? Yeah, that looks nothing like the steel I saw. Yeah, I don't know what to think of that. That's very S and M. It just looks like somebody pulled the ball gag out of his mouth. The first steel I saw was uh. A blurry, like, brownish thing. And the article said that it was going to be more fleshy. I don't know. I'll see what it looks like. And, I mean, I just don't like the overall shapes that are kind of cut out. You know, like, ghost mask. Like, I liked the eyes and the, you know, big oval mouth screamed open. Yeah. I I always liked that. I thought that had a good, like, outline feature to it. I don't... I I guess the makers of the TV show thought the mask was dated and needed to... Okay, I do agree with that. It is kind of dated. Facial structure is like the same basic, like rudimentary shape, but yeah, that's about it. And the eyes are roughly the same-ish. I don't know. I gotta go back and look at the old. To me, it looks like um, like the best way I can describe it audibly for people listening is that if Ghostface could actually make faces, and someone put a ball gag in his mouth, and then pulled the ball gag out real quick and took a picture. Although I will say it does have a, a little bit of a classic theater look to it. I think you have to, you still have to stay with like the basic shapes that the mask had. You can't go too crazy off script. No, I meant like classic Roman theater, like comedy. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the original mask kind of had that, like, you know, very theatrical look. What a genius idea to take that just plain. Yeah, and that was just some regular costume too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think it was called, like, the ghost face mask. I think it was, like, no. Dr. Death or Phantom Death or something. Dr. Giggles. <laughs> and then you had all the uh, variations of it come out around Halloween. Yeah, the ones that light up, the ones that have blood. I don't really have anything fucking really to say about the reboot. It's it's the same in a long line of series. It doesn't really do anything too incredibly new. It's fine. It's shot well. I don't absolutely love it, but I don't hate it either. I'm like kind of like it's better than just vanilla. It's better than most of the the reboot re prequel or reboot remakes. I see. For me, the problem with the the reboot is Jason works well. Jason's world is cool, but everyone else in the movie falls flat. You don't have the Alice that you've enjoyed following. You have Blonde Chick, who has probably the best tits ever shown on TV, but something about that cast, I don't know, the chemistry, or you don't have that that survivor girl that you... Or even the side characters that you're kind of sad when they go. Yeah, no, it's definitely missing in the charisma department, for sure. Yeah, so it's like, I give it an A for Jason and an F for everybody else. And I hate giving, like, criticisms and stuff because I know how easy it is to... But, yeah. I, you know, they did a way better job on that than they did with 
the whoever did with that Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. Oh, that was terrible. We can't talk about that. We definitely like the first one. Classic. Second one. Yeah. Second one, remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Worth seeing and would love to see a sequel to it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's definitely going to be a reboot. Again, it's a re-reboot. A re-re-reboot. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. I did want to make our listeners aware that Turner Movie Classics is showing some really awesome films for, for really for the rest of the year. They're starting in June. They're showing Jaws on June 21st, Double Indemnity on July 19th, and they're also showing Psycho on September 20th. Now, these movies will be released in theaters. Uh, I think they're showing them on around 500 screens. Uh, if you're in the Memphis area, I know the Malco Paradiso is showing Jaws on the 21st of June. So you may want to, you know, if you're in the area, you may want to catch that. Those are some really good movies. They got a really good lineup. Uh, they have Grease as well. Um, if you've never seen Double Indemnity, that is a really great film noir. Um, I'd put that in like the top 10 best film noir films ever made. It's, it's really good. And of course, Psycho and Jaws are classics. Cannot stress how awesome those movies are. So yeah, that's going to do it for us tonight. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. We have a voicemail line, 323-539-8661. And if you're listening to us on iTunes and Stitcher, please leave us a rating. Let us know if you think we suck, what we can improve on, you know... We're totally like the best, most awesome people you've ever heard talk. <laughs> you know, I can't even see that with a straight face. Uh, so yeah, all right. So we're gonna close out the show tonight with a little disco boogie, Jason style. This is the opening titles from Friday the Thirteenth, Part Three. Enjoy. Oh,